Hello and happy Friday. Welcome back to another episode of Food Network Obsess. Of course, this is the podcast where we dish on all things Food Network with your favorite Food Network stars. I am your host, Jamie Sire, and I am so excited to be back. I really missed you guys. I missed getting all of your messages about our great guests. Actually, I still got messages from you because I got uh, a few every Friday um, since we took this little break asking me where the new episodes are. So we are here now with new episodes and we have so many awesome guests lined up that we've been working on the last couple of weeks. I am so pumped to share them all with you, especially today's guests, because I know you guys were all watching Tournament of Champions the last few weeks just as much as I was was on the edge of my seat. And I have to tell you, my boyfriend, Justin, and I, uh, we loved watching Monique compete throughout uh, this competition. And she was kind of our fan favorite in our household. I don't know who you guys had in your brackets going all the way, but loved watching her compete, loved all of her colorful chef's jackets, her earrings, her energy, and of course, uh, the amazing food that she put out there on a regular basis. So it is no surprise that she was crazy crowned champion this past Sunday. Of course, you know her as a passionate chef and restaurateur, of course, a Food Network judge on a variety of shows. And as we saw, just a a fierce competitor on Tournament of Champions. And she is now the season two winner. Manit Chohan is our guest today. Monique, welcome to the pod. And more importantly, a massive congratulations on your huge Tournament of Champions win. We saw it uh, this week. Congratulations. How are you feeling? Oh, my God. Thank you so much. How am I feeling? I'm feeling uh, at the top of the world. Uh, I am... um, I think this is the first time that I've actually sat down because I've been dancing like constantly, still (laughs) pinching myself that, oh my God, did this really happen? Um, And just trying to catch up with all the congratulations through social media and texts and just so grateful. Ah, well, it is well-deserved. I'm a little disappointed you're not wearing the belt um, for our interview. Where is it though right now? (laughs) It's safe. It's It's safe. safe. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Is it going to be displayed anywhere in the house or are you, are you just keeping that under lock and key? Oh, no. It will be It will be framed and it will be displayed. It will rotate through all the restaurants. I'll be as obnoxious about it as possible. Come on. <laughs> I love it. It'll be like the Stanley Cup. It can it can just travel uh, with you wherever you go. You know, how, how sweet was this victory for you? It was. It was surreal. You know, um, it, the, the timing was really interesting. I remember seeing the, the semifinals last year and we were sitting uh, with the kids like, you know, uh, Vivek and I, we see all of these tournaments with the kids. And um, last year, I remember when I lost, like my daughter, she was just holding, she's crying away. I wanted you to win. I'm like, I wanted to win also. But I said, but this is a life lesson. Like you win some, you lose some. So I think it was a lot sweeter this time because they were watching it with us. And just that excitement of like them, like I was excited, Vivek was excited, but just the, the kids, like just jumping around, it made everything worth it. Did, did the kids know that obviously you taped this a while ago? So did they know that you won or did you let them find out in real time? You know, I mean, the kids are young, uh, like six and nine. 
and uh, the fact that anything will stay in their stomach is is minuscule. So that's why Vivek and I decided that we were not going to let the kids know, which was incredible because when when I won, they were like, oh my God, like literally when they were giving uh, the feedback when Darnell and I were doing, uh, you know, the semis, and my son thought I was going to lost and he started crying. He's like, I don't want you to lose. I'm like, hold your horses, buddy. Like, just hold your horses. <laughs> I mean, overall, how would you describe your experience on TOC? Is this the hardest competition show of all time? Because you've competed in some other ones as well. It definitely is the hardest. It's the hardest. It's the wackiest. It's the, like the stress level is so high. Um, and it is that randomizer, man, that that evil, evil randomizer. Like, you know, usually with a lot with a lot of these other competitions, there is always a code that can be cracked, right? There are things like puzzles that you can put in place. But this randomizer, like literally, the first competition we got, use a steamer and it has to be fried. Come on, <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense. So this is absolutely the toughest competition that I've ever competed in. Is there a randomizer, you know, category or ingredient or a challenger that you would consider the most difficult in your time on TOC? I think everybody. I mean, it was, there wasn't one chef that, you know, when we were standing the 16, the first, you know, like time that uh, guy introduced all of us and we are standing over there and we are sizing each other up because that's pretty much what we were doing. There wasn't one chef that I saw that I was like, if I go up against him, I'm taking him down. No, it's just, it's such a, um, it's such a testament to how you are at that moment, right? How you crack that, like, you know, how that crazy randomizer makes sense in your mind. And I think that's what it is. So um, each and every competitor was, was, uh, somebody that I was afraid of, each and every randomizer ingredient was something that I was afraid of. <laughs> Is there somebody that you have not faced yet that you would like a chance to compete against? Oh, no, there's a lot of people who I haven't fa- uh, you know, faced yet. And I, I'm very happy with that <laughs> because I know that they would <laughs> kick my butt. Like when they were asking me, who are you afraid of? I'm like, oh, my God, if I go up against Antonia, like Brooke, definitely, I was I was afraid of. But Antonia and then like Tiffany, like, I'm glad who I didn't face and uh, I'm afraid of next season. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of next season, I'm curious how, how you um, approach your preparation for this uh, competition, because as we've, we've kind of covered it, it's, it's unlike anything else. There are just elements to it that you really can't prepare for. Uh, but do you have anything that you do that kind of helps you get ready for competition? Like any superstitions or anything that you do like every time before you go out on stage there for that? You know, it's so funny. I had a lot of superstitions when I walked into this, you know, uh, the arena this time. Uh, to me, I was like, the only time I won is when I was on the left side, right? If I go on the right side, I'm not going to win. Uh, the only time I won is when Simon was doing my, uh, you know, he, when he was doing my commentary. When I lost, it was Justin who was doing. So I, I walked <laughs> in with all of that. And that's that's the mindset that I walked into the finale with. Because for the finale, I was on the right side and Justin was talking about my food. I'm like, I'm gone. Like, this is it. <laughs> Game over. Right? <laughs> uh, so uh, so, so that, that was a lot of fun. But, you know, I always say that Tournament of Champions is is that one competition that you cannot you know it's not one of those 
exams or tests that you cram for the night before, right? This is a culmination of your entire life's training and work. So um, the fact that, you know, um, I have all of these restaurants, the fact that I can walk into a Chinese restaurant or into an Indian restaurant, into an American restaurant and literally roll up my sleeves and start working, that I think is the biggest training. And to me, I always, I love to be hands-on. Uh, so whenever I have the opportunity, each and every weekend, I am in the kitchens, right? Be it like, you know, um, uh, working on the line or expoing or meeting people. So to me, being hands-on is very critical and constantly studying. Like I'm constantly studying, be it not books. It is like, you know, seeing new television uh, series where you get these crazy ideas, learning about global cuisine. So yeah, I mean, my homework has already started. <laughs> you so so everybody should be on notice. You're you're already starting to to work towards uh, TOC season three. So everybody should be uh, shaking in their boots, uh, as they say. But um, I'm curious also about your chef's jackets because they are all so. I mean, they're they're unique. They're colorful. They're fun. I feel like it is a reflection of your personality. Um, how many do you have? And do you have a favorite? I think I have 18 right now. I just placed the order for next season's TOC, uh, which is going <laughs> to be a completely different uh, line. Uh, you know what? To me, these jackets are very important because they constantly remind me of uh, where I am from, which I'm very proud of, where I have reached, which I'm very proud of. And it in, in a way, I, I show that off with, you know, with, with pride, right? Uh, and, and that's why it's very important. Like these are, these are textiles and these are, uh, you know, handicrafts, which, uh, you know, it, it, the Indian artists, they, they work on. So, so that's why I'm very, uh, proud of, uh, those. At the present moment, my favorite one is the black one, which I won the, the finale with. You know, maybe I should go ahead and frame that along with a belt. Ooh, and it, it, yeah. it worked. And and you know what? Um, I I am quite that you know uh, style fiend that I am because I was because when I was wearing that jacket, I kept that jacket aside because every time Brooke would walk, uh, you know, by with that belt, and I'm like, wait jacket would look good with <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to keep this jacket aside, and that's what I'm going to wear. So yeah, that's what it was. Well, it looked fabulous with your uh, with your winning belt. Uh, so that was a, a good move on your part. I'm curious if um, if you are naturally like a competitive person, because I feel like your competitive spirit really came out watching you, uh, especially this season on, on TOC. I like I felt like you you look at you and you're so like sweet and nice. And then you got like really fiery and like trash talking. And it was awesome to watch. Like, is is that something that you, you've always experienced? Or does TOC kind of bring it out of you? You know what? Um, I think a lot of it, I do attribute to growing up in India. Mm. Uh, you know, because uh, it, it starts off very young over there. You have you know, um, everything is, uh, it's a competition. It's, it's a struggle. Like, you know, even, um, undergrad, like when we had to apply for undergrad schools, like we had to study, it was a competition. And I, I think a lot of it stems from there. The fact that you've got to stand out, the fact that you've got to succeed. And, um, one of the things that I, I never let go is the sense of the sense of gratitude that I have of all the opportunities that have come my way. Uh, 
right? Um, you get opportunities, but you have to be smart enough to grab it. You know, you take life by the horns. And that's what I did with TOC. So yes, I am, um, I am a very competitive person. Um, but I don't let that competition damper my, um, my fun uh, or zest for life, right? You win some, you lose some. And that's what life is all about. And I, and I hope that I can teach my kids that every day. Well, I think you already have. Like you said, it's been a very good lesson for them to watch you in defeat, but also, you know, watch you um, in victory as well. And I do want to point out that you are the second woman to win TOC, another finale where we actually had two women competing for the grand prize. Of course, we had you and Brooke uh, this season. Last season, it was Brooke and Amanda in the finale. I mean, as a woman in a a very male dominated field, what does that win mean to you in in terms of just being kind of a role model for other women out there? You know, it was so interesting. Brooke and I, we were talking about that. And I was just telling her that I can't I, I can't even express how grateful I am that, you know, that that belt was handed from Brooke to me, right? Uh, And this, I think this means so much to us because, I mean, I have a daughter, right? And and young girls, right, who reach out to me, they're like, if you can do it, we can do it. So the fact that we have shown that it can be done, the fact that we've been told, like, we were at that generation where we weren't taken seriously, right? The, The fact that we've broken that that mold that, um, you know, earlier on in my career, people would come to the restaurant and they would, they would be like, the chef, can we talk to him? Uh. And then a her would walk out. And I'm like, in the end of the day, a chef is a chef. You don't walk into the kitchen and say, hi, he chef, hi, she chef. That, that, that's not what it is. <laughs> so, so the fact that we are finally um, getting a nod that, that it, that Gender doesn't make a difference because the plate in front of you, the food in in front of you, the taste in front of you is all that defines a chef. A gender doesn't. And that, I think, is is very powerful. It is extremely powerful and very well said. And I think um, you can be very proud in that you have... uh, a lot of people looking up for up to you, including uh, your own kids, which I think is uh, obviously the most important. And uh, we got to see just, you know, how much of a a beast you are in the kitchen. I think a lot of people already knew that, but we see we saw it in a variety of ways. I mean, you you handled every cuisine, everything that the randomizer threw at you um, with, you know, you know, just effortlessly, I, I would say. Um, how would you describe your overall cooking style? Because it seems like there's essentially nothing you can't do. Oh my God, there's so many things I can't do. <laughs> but um, but I think my cooking style is global. Uh, I grew up in India um, and it was really interesting. I think as you grow older, you start becoming more comfortable with with things that you, um, you, know, you know and you start showcasing them a lot more. Um, and uh, I think that is it. In the end of the day, um, my style of cooking is to cook delicious food. And I don't care from which part of the world it is. Uh, I, I love food, both in terms of eating and cooking. So wherever I can find inspiration, I, um, I find it and I show it off. Um, but yeah, I do. My comfort factor is Indian food because that's what I grew up on and that's what, you know, that gets me comfort. So I do at times tend 
to rely a lot on that. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it, that you, you grew up in a small town in India. What are some of those early memories of food that kind of just like brings you back to childhood whenever you smell or eat or, or cook them? Oh, my God. So I grew up in this small town in India where, um, you know, it was a professional town and people, uh, all our neighbors were from all over India. And each and every um, region in India has a very distinct cuisine of its own. So, um, you know, what was cooked at our house was completely different from what, you know, our neighbors were, <laughs> were doing. So um, I literally would finish dinner at home, go to my neighbor's houses, tell them that my parents hadn't fed me. So can we eat with you? <laughs> So it was incredible because I got to not not only eat the food. To me, what was more interesting was to see the aunties cooking in the kitchen. The ingredients they were using were so different from the ingredients which were in, you know, in uh, in our kitchen. And that that's what made it like so amazing. But um, they are dishes like, you know, simple khichdi, which actually I, I made in the semifinals, which is a rice and a lentil, like a savory porridge. Um which every time that we were sick, mom would make it because it was easy for digestion. And that is the most comforting thing. So whenever I make khichdi, it just takes me, transforms me back, uh, you know, back to home. Or mango pickle. We used to have two mango trees in our backyard, which I wasn't allowed to climb. And my grandmom <laughs> would make me climb and she would make mango pickle. So, yeah. I mean, I know you must have a, a massive spice cabinet, but what are like some must-haves in your spice cabinet for, you know, kind of your go-to recipes? So, uh, like, you know, in each and every Indian household, there is a masala dabba, which is a spice box. It's a round, uh, you know, big container with small, seven small containers in it. And that usually is what we use for everyday cooking. And mine has, um, you know, the three C's, which is uh, cumin powder, there is a coriander powder and chili powder, and then I have garam masala, which is an Indian blend of spices. Um, I, I make my own. Um, there is chaat masala, which is um, a blend of spices, which has predominantly dried raw mango powder. So it's very tart and chaat means to lick, uh, you know, um, in, in uh, Hindi. Uh, there is fenugreek leaves or kasuri methi, which I always have. Turmeric, um, which is like one of the OG uh, spices. Um, and and the last spice, um, I don't know if it, it qualifies to be a spice, but I always have uh, rock salt. So rock salt is um, has this very funky, you know, almost that sulfur uh, smell to it. And it just adds, to me, umami to any dish. So so those, yeah, those are the seven, eight dishes. I mean, spices. Yeah. Uh which are in that box. Yes. Yeah. And they are also an integral role in your cookbook that was released last fall, which is also called Chat um, Recipes from the Kitchens, Markets and Railways of India. And you kind of uh, you kind of touched on a little bit about what what exactly is Chat. And you said it it means to lick um, in Indian. But what else does it mean to you in terms of that cookbook and what that embodies for you? So uh, chaat, as I was saying, it means to um, lick and Indian street foods are called chaat just because the flavors, the textures are are so lickable. <laughs> as a kid, um, we used to travel by trains and the trains in India are unlike the trains here. The windows are open, doors are open. Three days, three night journeys, each and every small station that the train would stop at, the local vendors would come to sell their wares, right? So because Indian cuisine is so vast, I would get 
to taste the cuisines of India through the train, right? And my parents knew how obsessed I was with food. So in each and every train station, like Chennai, the yogurt rice or the curd rice or like, you know, in um, like um, Varangal, we would have like uh, varas and like, so there are all of these memories that I remember. So the idea of the book was to pay homage to uh, you know, all of these vendors who made our uh, train journeys so delicious. So, and it's a great way to get an insight into Indian cuisine um, on a very superficial level, because I can spend my entire life talking about Indian food and I wouldn't <laughs> even scratch a surface. So I think that's that's what this book is about. It's not South East West covers, uh, you know, uh, just the diversity of Indian cuisine. I mean, it is, it is gorgeous. It is full of color. It's full of stories, not just you know, pictures of food. It's it's pictures of all these things that we're describing, you know, the railways, the people that are preparing these foods and and not just like a stylized, like, here's a pretty picture of this dish I'm putting into this cookbook. It's I feel like it's really kind of telling those stories, which I think makes it very, very unique. Um and and then there are the recipes as well. Obviously that's why, you know, people are picking it up is hoping to to kind of try their hand at some of these um different snacks uh, that you mentioned. Um, if they are, if somebody is maybe like trying out, you know, it, cooking Indian food for the very first time, are there a couple of recipes in the book that you would recommend them starting with? Uh, absolutely. I think uh, there is this amazing recipe for a pineapple chart, right? Which is really simple because you do a lot of seasonal charts and it also reminds you of like, you know, in Mexico when they sell the pineapples and mangoes with a little bit of that, uh, you know, that uh, tagine, yeah, uh, right yeah. on top of it, which is like incredible. So that is what it, it reminds uh, people of. There is a star fruit and a, a sweet potato chart, which is incredible. Um, and so they are starter recipes, which are simple, few ingredients. And then if they want to go ahead and get into more complicated recipes, that is also there. I mean, they, they are like, you know, fermented um, idlis and you can go as in-depth as you want or you can just keep it as simple. And that's what I wanted the book to be, to have, you know, to cater not only to the people who are beginners in Indian cuisine, but also people who want to experiment into getting something to do more complicated like biryanis. Yeah, no, I, I loved it. I um. I mean, I've, I've cooked Indian food a couple of times for my blog. I have a, a very good friend, Sachi, and her. I, every time I'd have questions, I'd text her and she would ask her mom and um, she would kind of get back to me on, on, on different ways to do it. So I'm glad I have a, a, a bigger guide uh, to to help me through some of those recipes. But uh, definitely. Now you can text me. I will. I will. I will. Have, I'll be annoying, too. Don't be careful what you offer. Oh, please. I am like <laughs> it, once I get started, it'll be like, OK, now you can do this. Push yourself. Yeah. So be, you, you also be careful because I'll be like, OK, come on. Now let's do it. A more complicated recipe. I love it. I love it. I, I'm going to take you up on that. Um, but I think it's I think it's so cool just to to hear you talk about, you know, obviously this is something you are are so passionate about, and especially spotlighting, you know, Indian food and your culture both through, you know, your platform on Food Network, also just, you know, a leader in the food and industry. Why why is that so important to you to to kind of share that with with the world, really? You know, to me, I always, um, personally, to me, the reason why I got drawn to food, uh, other than the taste, was um, that it is one of the best connectors in this entire world, right? I could walk into a room and have a conversation because I, I was armed with food, 
right? Like be it going to my my sister's uh, school or like recently we went to Peru and we went to the small town called Urumbamba and I just like wandered into the Mercado and I can't speak Spanish or let's say my Spanish is not fit for polite company. And, um, <laughs> you know, the people over there, they couldn't speak English. So um, like literally half an hour later, uh, Vivek was looking for me and he found me selling potatoes with this old grandma and we were making potato cake. <laughs> we couldn't speak the same language, but we connected over food. And that to me was such an incredible experience that I always think that if we have all conversations over food, around food, wine also helps. There would be there would be no discord in this world. I mean, it would be just a happy, peaceful, well, well-fed world. Um, I could not agree more. I, I say that the, almost the exact same thing all the time, that it is such a connector. Um, you know, it is the one thing we all have in common. Um, and I think there's, you know, there's nothing better than being able to, you know, sit down with somebody and, and break bread and and learn about their culture and vice versa. So I, I think that's a really beautiful um, way to to approach, uh, you know, food and, and, and sharing it with the world. We are talking Nashville Chopped plus rapid fire questions with Manit coming up next. But your culinary education, you know, did start in India and then, you know, you were fine, finest hotels, kitchens, you name it. And then you came to the U.S., uh, also dominated the food scene over here. You, you're talking New York, Chicago. But now you're in Nashville uh, where you and your husband have opened four restaurants. So I'm curious what drew you from Manhattan to the Music City? Well, there are two aspects to this. The first, um, the one word answer is karma. So literally, I think Chopped had taken off and we were getting like, you know, calls from the obvious cities, right? Chicago, San Francisco, Seattle. Would you like to open something over here? And in between, we get a call from Nashville. Like we'd never visited Nashville and both of us looked at each other. I mean, we're business partners and we're like, who the beep goes to Nashville, right? <laughs> but we are also the kind of people who explore each and every opportunity that is uh, presented in front of us. So we came here and we just fell in love with the city. There wasn't uh, anything like Chohan, like when when we opened it. Uh, also, the fact was that um, in, in, in all fairness, the costs over here are are so much better. Celebrity goes such a long, longer way over here, right? So we're like, okay, this is this is fantastic. The plan was still to be based out of New York because we thought we were in the food mecca of the world and commute over here. Well, this is the South. Uh, the six month project did take a year and a half. Along <laughs> the way, we found out we were expecting baby number two. Um, well, uh, the day we opened the restaurant, November. 18, 2014, our son decided to be born three months early. Oh my gosh. So Vivek and I, we weren't at the opening of our um, restaurant. I kind of have to be at the hospital uh, after a major surgery. And um, both of us looked at each other and we were like, well, he is so adamant in being a Nashvillian. Who are we to stop it? So we <laughs> went back to New York, wrapped up our house, moved over here um, and decided we are going to make the best of this move. Uh, we named our son Karma. So that's why we, we say that Karma is the reason why we are over here. But uh, Karma made us make a decision that has been so 
so valuable and so good for us because like in four years we opened four restaurants we had three breweries right so uh it, it it's it's really it's been really good to us and what's the i mean what's the reception been like cuz i i can't imagine there was you know a, an abundance of um, you know, kind of these global cuisines down there. There's obviously a great food scene in Nashville, but I feel like this probably brought something to a community that that they had not experienced before. Absolutely. I think what was, you know, it's really interesting because um, Nashville is very metropolitan. People have traveled the entire world and they are craving for good food. They're craving for global food. So when we opened Johan, I mean, it was like just an instant success because, you know, there was flavor and the way we planned the entire menu was we had the traditional Indian section. Absolutely. But we played along with, you know, uh, Nashville is known for meat and three. So we had Johan's Ode to Meat and Three or Hot Chicken, which is a religion over here. Right. Yes. So we are like, you know, a hot chicken pakoda. And so we we played to what is locally available over here but put our own twist on it and then as we you know we were like okay what is missing in the tapestry oh chinese upscale chinese great we'll open tanso oh right um, we've got these incredible people who you know who make delicious food okay let's open a restaurant uh, with them oh we found this beautiful space so we constantly the opportunities are out there it's for us to grab it and just celebrate it uh, well, you guys certainly are doing uh, exactly that. And as you mentioned, you you are in business with your husband. Um, what What is that like as far as, you know, advantages and disadvantages to being in business with your significant other? Oh, it's a total, it's it's a really stupid idea. Completely <laughs> right, right. You know what? Uh, um, it is, it's uh, for me personally, and I can, and, I mean, of course, we can only talk about personal experience. I think it was very, very uh it's very valuable because the reason why we connected was because of our love for this industry, right? We did our undergrad together, barely knew each other at that time. We reconnected because of our love for this industry. So um, to me, I think it's very valuable because um, I know that he's one person who's not going to mince around his feedback, right? If I make something and if I have, you know, my team taste it, they will be like, yeah, chef, great. Vivek will look at it and he's like, this is crap. I know you can do so much better than this, right? <laughs> so to have somebody, you know, honest in your uh, in your corner is incredible. Um, and the fact that I love this industry, right? I am obsessed with this industry and we have we have kids, we have businesses together. And the fact that we can have a true partnership of supporting each other, like when I'm traveling, you know, he's got the kids when he's traveling, he's got all of these businesses in Canada. So when he's traveling, you know, I've got the kids, it's that, that true sense of partnership, which I'm very grateful about. But even with TOC, right? Um, I mean, it's so stressful when I was every time I would be, I would ready to go and compete. He was the last person I would call. I'm like, and he, I'm like, Will I be able to do it? He's like, you got this. And because he said that you got this, I I knew I got it. And that was it. It was as simple as that. So yeah, it, it might sound something uh, mushy. But on the other hand, both of us are scorpions. And uh, there have been times, like especially when we opened up, right? Like 
we're crazy busy and everything is going wrong. And like Vivek would walk into the kitchen and he's like, where is that bleeping naan? And I would turn, I'm like, get out of the bleeping kitchen. And <laughs> the whole team would be like, oh my God, mommy and daddy are fighting. Like what's going to happen? And then in two minutes he would come. He's like, so are you ready to go? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm done. And we would walk in like the whole, what just happened here? <laughs> so it's fun. It's fun. I mean, you guys seem like you have it, you have it down. And um, I mean, we, we got we got a very firsthand look at that um, through Guy's documentary, Restaurant Hustle 2020, All on the Line. Um, I mean, obviously, such a raw and emotional look at what restaurant owners like yourselves uh, were facing during you know this global pandemic that the entire world was dealing with at the same time. When you were approached about the project, I mean, what were what were your first your gut instinct? Did you want to do it or did it take some convincing? Oh, no. I mean, like, listen, when guy asks something, your answer should be yes and needs to be yes. <laughs> and that's basically what it was, right? Um, it was, it was a decision that like, you know, when, when he called, and I mean, it was a fantastic idea. Like that was the last thing we were thinking at that time, right? All we wanted to do was just save what we had. And, um, he called us and he's like, hey, listen, we've got this idea, we're going to send cameras, just record everything that is happening. And um, and he just finished it by, he's like, even this, if this comes to nothing, you will have a record to show your kids what you guys went through. And that I think was was profound to me. I'm like, okay, that's what we are going to do. So it was... Um, it was really interesting um, that we were just sending things as we were recording, right? We weren't reviewing it, which I think was a boon because in hindsight, there's a lot that that I send across, which made it in the documentary, which I probably wouldn't have. Like, I'm like, I was looking at the documentary. I'm like, why did I send a video of me crying in the closet with my bottle of wine, like in my pajamas? Like, why did I do that? <laughs> but that was the moment that resonated most with people because the number of people who reached out and said that the fact that you were brave enough to show how vulnerable you all were, it made us, gave us, gave us the courage to just like, just plow through this whole thing, like get it done. And, um, and yeah, that, like that documentary is something like I'm so proud of, uh, because it, um, I think it gave hope to so many people who were looking for hope. Uh, and, and I think that's why I just so, again, grateful to be a part of that. Yeah, I mean, it, you're making me tear up again, just like thinking about it, um, especially, you know, the 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 line you just mentioned about, you know, crying in the closet with a bottle of wine. I think we all had mo at least one of those moments <laughs> during the past year. So I, I think it was so relatable for people because, you know, we all had our crying in the closet with a bottle of wine moment. Um, and, and like so many parents last year, you also found yourself playing the role of teacher during all of this. Um, and that was also featured in the documentary. How much more do you appreciate the the job that the teachers do after after having to do it yourself? <laughs> oh, my God. Like teachers, they are like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just can't, I can't, like, literally when the kids went back to school, I just wanted to go and hug each and every teacher and just say <laughs> that you guys are like, just incredible. It is, um, I think it is, 
a job which needs to be valued so much more. Uh, not only about the the knowledge that they impart, but the incredible patience and the way they mold futures is just like incredible. Just incredible. It gives me goosebumps. It was good to see that realness um, from all of the chefs that were featured. But we, we've watched you on Food Network for years. And I, I always like to ask people just to take us back to the to the very beginning, because a lot of times we see, you know, what everyone has become, but we forget, you know, where they came from. As it relates to Food Network, uh, take us back to when you found out that you were going to be on Iron Chef America and competing against Chef Morimoto. Oh, my God. It seems like full circle, especially with, you know, winning TOC. It was, I mean, it was incredible. I remember being, I was at, um, uh, when I was at the CIA, uh, the original, like the Iron Chef had just started and, you know, they were like Morimoto was, you know, one of the chefs that we would see all the time. And I would always tell myself, I'm like, um, one day I'm going to compete against, uh, you know, on on Iron Chef. So when I was invited to compete, it was just surreal. I've, I've done something right. Like I've got to like pinch myself. Um, it was it was really interesting. Again, it was it started off with competition, competing, um, and I still till date like try to recall. Um, that competition, it was leaks. Leaks uh, is not my favorite anymore because, as, <laughs> as I tell the whole world, I I came a respectable second among two people. Just sounds better than saying I lost. But it was just, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it was just like so incredible, and that opened so many doors. Like you know, I was invited to be a guest judge on Chop. Uh, no, actually, I was invited to be on the next Iron Chef, then, you know, a guest judge on Chopped, and then a permanent judge on Chopped. And it just is like, it just started from there, like just rolled and morphed into to what it is today. But um, yeah, just incredible. Yeah. And as you mentioned, you are now a, a fixture on Chopped as one of the the regular, you know, rotating judges. What it, What is your favorite part uh, about that show? My favorite part about Chopped is that um, it's a very odd combination of it being consistent in terms of the format, but because Mm -hmm. the characters, uh, you know, be it the chefs, be it the judges, be it the ingredients are so different that it seems like a different show every time. And I think that is the most exciting part. And personally, to me, the amount that I have learned on Chopped is incredible. Be it crazy ingredients that I've never seen. Um, and then I'm like, then I start doing research on it. Then I get it. Then I start working on it. So um, it's been an amazing learning experience for me. Do you think being a judge on Chopped and, and like you said, kind of like being introduced to some of these new ingredients or maybe new preparations of things, how much did that help you, do you think, during Tournament of Champions? Tremendously. I think all the experience that I got on Chopped has tremendously helped me, uh, not only being a judge, but being a competitor also. Uh, uh, and, and the fact is that every time, even when you're a judge, every time 
you know, they open the basket and you see the ingredients in front of you, your mind starts working as to how you would like, you know, put it together, you know, given the time that there is. So uh, absolutely, like it's just been incredible. What what would cripple you if, if you opened a, a, a chopped basket and saw it, you know, sitting there staring back at you? I don't think anything would. Really? I, I don't. Yeah. Because to me, um, to me, what I pride myself is finding solutions to problems. Right. And and the biggest like it's uh, it's really funny every day that I drop my daughter off at school. And, you know, when she's walking out, I, I give her one some sage advice. Right. And recently, all I have been telling her is there are no problems. And she turns to me and she's like, only solutions. And that is uh-huh. something that I strongly believe in. So I don't think that there's anything that will that will phase me out. I think the only thing which will trip me is me myself, when I think that I can do much more than what that time uh, allocated will let me. And I've done that. I have faltered. I have I have been chopped in the past because I'm like, oh, I have two minutes. Let's make a cocktail. And it's like <laughs> the dish is great, but the cocktail was awful. Bye, Manit. So, uh, yeah, so that's what it is. What a, What's the best bite you've ever had on Chopped and, and the worst bite? There are a lot of really, like there's been a lot of really good food on Chopped. Especially now that, you know, it's been going on for so long that the chefs who come, they do their homework, uh, which is amazing. I think one of the best bites was uh, recently I tried a Middle Eastern dessert called Malabi, which was mm. incredible. And the, and the chef who made it, she cut them in in the shape. So it's a... It's a dessert which has uh, rose water in it, just very delicate. And uh, it's set with cornstarch. And she cut it in long strips like udon noodles. And then Ah. put, I think it was almost like a green tea broth over it. It just, that creativity and that flavor just blew my mind. Like, it was incredible. Um, The worst bite, balut. Balut is just not my favorite ingredient. So just. I think just wrapping it around my my, my uh, head uh, was probably the toughest. Yeah. <laughs> what what advice would you have for uh, maybe a future competitor who might be listening? Um, if they are going to be going on chopped, what what should they keep in mind? Uh, first is keep it simple, right? Keep it good and simple. Too many ingredients on the plate doesn't mean that the dish is more delicious. Uh, just pay homage to the ingredients in front of you. And secondly, cook your food. Don't cook, uh, don't cook based on who are the judges in front of you or who you're competing against. Cook your food because that is, that's the reason why you're standing over here in front of everybody. Right. And uh, that's it. Be true to who you are. Well, we definitely saw that from you on Tournament of Champions. Um, so I would like to end with a few rapid fire questions and then we will finish it off with our, our question that we ask everybody. But first, rapid fire. Go. Uh, would would you rather compete on Chopped or TOC? TOC. Don't tell my uh, friends on Chopped. <laughs> I won't. It's our secret. Uh, <laughs> or maybe not. Um, New York or Chicago pizza? Chicago deep dish. Really? Mm. Okay. All right. Uh, go to weeknight dinner. Tacos. 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 Okay. I like that. Taco Tuesday. Favorite family Taco recipe. Taco every day. 
<laughs> there you go. I like that. I like that strategy. Uh, favorite family recipe? Depends on who's cooking. If Vivek is cooking his chicken curry, oh my God, so mm. good. So good. Or if I'm cooking, then probably aloo parantas, which are spiced potato stuffed flatbreads with fresh homemade butter and a yogurt raita on the side with some pickles. Oh, that's, that sounds delicious. Um, all right. Final rapid fire. Favorite Food Network show that you're not on? You know, any of the baking, like any of the baking showdowns, like they are like so, so incredible. Any of them, all of them. <laughs> they are. And those people are super talented and I could never cut it on any of those. So they are fun to watch in that respect of, you know, just seeing somebody, um, you know, very, very good at their craft doing something I could never do. <laughs> uh, this has been so much fun. But before we let you go, we do have one last question that we ask all of our guests here on Food Network Obsessed. And that is what would be on the menu for your perfect food day? So breakfast, lunch, dinner and dessert. You can travel wherever in between, um, spend absurd amounts of money. Anybody can cook these for you. You can do it in a restaurant. There are basically no rules to this question. We just want to know what what your favorite and perfect food day would entail. I would start off with breakfast in, um, in Jakarta because that's where I had one of my favorite breakfasts, which was a noodle, like almost like a ramen like noodle for like just incredible uh i would go over to um uh, to singapore and have the singapore chili crab yes oh. so good right so good oh so good um i would definitely go head over to uh, to japan and like have anything and everything over there like just so fresh uh, and amazing um my god that's a tough one like i could spend my whole life like coming up with a list lima oh my god anything over there everything over there um i would end it with dinner at home with my family and you know vivek's uh, chicken uh, curry with some rice uh slices of raw onions and uh, my mom's potato and fenugreek saute. Do, do you need dessert or uh, are we skipping dessert? Oh, there's always dessert. Dessert. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm a trained pastry chef, right? I'm like, I, I, live, I live off that. Uh, desserts, um, I am just anything sweet which comes in front of me, I love. I love a good cake. But I probably, after this entire day of gluttony and indulgence, I probably would just want a simple vanilla ice cream with hot chocolate fudge and a lot of like candied pecans on it. And just it. that's it. That's it. Uh, well, that sounds perfect. And I love um, I love that you you took us to different countries for for every single meal and, and, you know, within those meals as well, because as you said at the beginning of this interview, you you are a global cook and that is your food and. Um, it was very well represented in that last question. And it was such a joy to to speak with you today. And once again, huge congratulations on your massive TOC win. Very well deserved. Thank you so much for uh, sharing these stories with us. Thank you. So much fun. Ah, what a lovely chat with Manit. Um, so great to talk to her so quickly after her big win on Tournament of Champions. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, you can catch Manit at the Chopped Judges Table on Food Network and 
If you missed any of the action, get caught up on Tournament of Champions, which is streaming now on Discovery+. Plus. As always, thanks so much for listening and make sure you're following us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. And if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to rate and review. We do love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. 